Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We are most certainly live. Come on in, everyone. It's Saturday night. <laughs> I'm such an old dad. Uh, how's everybody doing? Let's see if these comments get lit up or not. Let me um, pull them up. We're just talking about doubt, faith, and determination. It's a Zen thing. Trust me. But it's it's all things and no things. <laughs> hey, Jonna, how you doing? It's been a minute. Let's... Uh, Refresh this comment stream. Cynthia's here, Jen Eberhardt, and my supporters are showing up en masse. I love it. So the supporters are the ones that pay the five bucks a month on Facebook, locals, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and they support the whole show. And they're like a tight crew of people that care about the stuff that we talk about, transforming healthcare, transforming ourselves, and then transcending ourselves entirely and realizing there is no separate self. It's all one happening and the I that you think you are is the same I that I feel is here. And it's the same I looking out of all eyes. Mm, sounds crazy. That's cause it is to the mind, which is designed to believe it's a separate self. That's what it does. So we're gonna try to relax that a bit by generating a little understanding of what I mean, what Zen folk mean when they say faith, doubt, and determination in your practice to wake up. What does it mean? Kelly says, well, when is Vinay coming back? Uh, he's busy, dude. Uh, so we'll do it when we do it. Live, but I'm drunk right now, says Nicola. I, I like your style. I do. I do. Uh, Florida's in the house with Steve and something wrong with Facebook. Actually, Nicola, I think it may be something wrong with maybe, you know, your perception of Facebook since you're already drunk. <laughs> um, Anne says, we are in Kel Kelowna at the evacuation line. So far, so good. Oh no, I hope you're okay. So, all right. Um, let's see where we at. Okay. Before I, I, you know, I never know that I'm going live and today is Saturday and, you know, did a bunch of family stuff. My wife is on call tonight and she's doing it from home because she's a radiologist. So she's taking call for the ER and the kids have a bunch of homework because they just started school on Wednesday, which is crazy early, but that's how they do it in public school in this part of California. Um, so I thought, well, let me come to the studio. And so I sat outside in this little swinging egg chair that I have. And I was reading a book called Throw Yourself into the House of Buddha that's edited by a friend of mine. He 
is actually a Zen monk and was in Japan for the better part of a decade studying with the Zen master in a very sort of esteemed lineage um, that goes back to the book, The Three Pillars of Zen, which Angelo writes about in his book, Awake, It's Your Turn. So there's all this connection. And I, I met Kogan, the monk, at uh, a retreat, a silent retreat that Angelo was doing in North Carolina a year ago in November. And there's another one coming up in November. And we briefly met. And then I think he saw the video I did about Japan and reached out and said, wow, you you kind of connected with what that ineffable quality of Japan where the spirituality is just like flowing out of every rock. It's very different than it is in the West. And he said, he just finished editing this book for, you know, that was the story of his Zen master who passed in 2018. Um, and it's this crazy story. You can find it on Amazon, Throw Yourself Into the House of Buddha. I'm about halfway through. And I don't know, every like fifth page, I just start weeping because it's such a beautiful story that points right at truth. And so this guy, he, um, the Zen master, was when he was born, his mother died shortly thereafter because she had stomach cancer and she forewent the surgery for stomach cancer in order to have the child because she prioritized the child. And then she died shortly after his birth. And so he always felt like, you know, his life was kind of borrowed in some way, you know, because he lost his mom. And so in World War II, he said, you know, how can I repay this gift? And he said, well, I'll become a kamikaze pilot because all the propaganda in that time was basically saying, Japan is under attack by these outside foreign forces that are looking to destroy your family and your friends. I mean, that was a propaganda that uh, the J Japanese imperial government was, um, was instilling in the population. And so he signs up, he studies to be a kamikaze pilot. He passes the exams. It's apparently very hard. Not so much that you know they valued the lives of these young men because they were gonna fly their planes into US ships. It was more that they didn't wanna waste their planes. So they wanted someone who would do it right. So there was this really difficult process to get accepted and he got accepted. And so at age 18 or something, he um, is one day away from launching his mission and flying into a US ship or some other target. So he does the ceremony, he drinks the sake, he does the whole thing that they do. And that night, or it might've been that morning, uh, the emperor who had not been heard by the Japanese public actually goes on the radio and announces the unconditional surrender of Japan. And he missed dying for his country by hours. So once again, somehow he miraculously survives. And he ended up being, he was in Manchuria at the time, he ended up being um, tossed into a prison camp, a Soviet prison camp where a lot of his friends died. Somehow he survives and he gets home to Japan in 1947. So this guy is like got a charmed life. You can't figure out why, but, and, and by the way, and then he realizes, wow, we've been lied to this whole time. like the rug got pulled out of his entire belief structure. Like he thought that he was going to die for this important ideal. And then he finds out they've been lied to that Japan was actually the aggressor in World War II, had done all these terrible things. And so he has this massive crisis. Like what is the meaning of life and death? What's the meaning of human life? Why, why, why was I spared when my mother died? A lot of my friends died, fellow kamikaze pilots died. So many Japanese, Americans, Chinese, everybody died in World War II. Why am I here? 
So it was that kind of existential crisis. And this is in the setting of, here's a guy who very shortly thereafter, or it might've been before, has a spontaneous awakening walking through the woods and the forest, um, uh, some mountain he was climbing and realized that everything was just one, there was no self and has this flash of first awakening. So this is where these, and then he ends up becoming a Zen monk studying with one of the most esteemed Zen masters, Harada Roshi, um, and decades go by and he just spreads the Dharma everywhere. So the the interesting piece about, there's so much fascinating stuff here. And you when you read a story in the book, you're just like moved by the story. But then when he gets into the Zen stuff, his story influences how he practiced and how he ultimately attained liberation. Because awakening is one thing, seeing the truth, realizing it, that there really is no separation. There's no you and that. There's no me and you. There's only life living itself. There's only infinity in every moment. There's no time, there's no space. You can realize that in a kind of awakening. But then the mind comes back and starts telling stories and spiritualizes the awakening and turns it into an ego thing and all of that. So liberation is where that sense of separate self ultimately dies and is gone to where you can live a human life, but there's no. it's clear that nobody's living it. There's nobody behind the eyes. There's nobody controlling your fate. It's just all happening perfectly, and that's liberation, perfectly, meaning it couldn't be otherwise. So every moment is a gift. Every moment is a treasure, right? What did Shifu say in Kung Fu Panda? That's why they call it the present. <laughs> Actually, that might've been Ugwe who said that, the old turtle. So. This guy has this um, amazing experience uh, of life where it's just it's just thrown into absolute, like what the hell? Now, here's where these pieces in Zen that are crucial, and it's true in sort of any spiritual pursuit. The first piece that he talks about is faith. So what does that mean? Faith is not like, oh, I think this is true, or someone told me this is true, or I believe this to be true. Faith is, I have realized and experienced something for myself. Some people will say, well, they've heard like God talking to them or they've, they've, they've know they're one with the universe because they've had a realization, they've had a mystical experience or they've had some glimpse or they've had awakening, whatever it is. So that generates a knowing like, and that's faith, really knowing experientially that something is true and it's faith with roots, like grounded in the ground, like a big tree, as he talks about in the book. It is, it's not that it's unshakable in the sense that doubts arise all the time. It's that it's so deeply known that it can't be unknown. It can't really be denied um, in any meaningful way. Because once you see, you know, it's like the matrix, you take the red pill, you're not ever going to know that this world is what you thought it was ever again, even if you get lost in the sauce from time to time. So that deep faith that everything is okay, that everything is not two, it's one beautiful, perfect happening, and that you aren't doing anything, that it's just perfectly unfolding for no one, and that's the beauty of it, for life itself, it's life living itself. 
So this deep faith that everything is a Buddha, everything is Christ consciousness, everything is the Holy Spirit, always, eternally, outpouring, now and forever, that's faith. That's not belief. That's not a story that you tell yourself. That's, an ex that's a, a knowing through experience that can happen. And it can happen to all, in all kinds of ways. If people wake up in a million different ways or they have glimpses, maybe it's even psychedelics that does it. Maybe it's trauma, maybe it's tragedy, maybe it's walking out in nature and it just happens. Maybe it's what happened here where he had so much sort of tragedy that it was that yearning and that questioning that cracked open reality for him. So that faith then drives the other two things that happen. And the second thing is great doubt. So what do they mean by great doubt? Great doubt. And this is not the great of great and small. This is the great of like unending, infinite, crippling, so big, it's bigger than big, doubt. And what do they mean by doubt? Didn't we just talk about faith? Where is this doubt coming in? Are you doubting what you know to be true? No, it's not that kind of doubt. It's this kind of doubt. I know, because I've had this experience, that reality is this, what I was pointing at earlier, infinite perfection unfolding as one happening. There is no plural of that. There is nothing to stand apart. There is nothing to push and pull on anything. There is no excess. There is no lack. It is all perfect. Even the worst possible thing the human can imagine is part of the perfect unfolding of this moment. And there are no humans. There's only appearance appearing to itself perfectly, radiantly. And it feels like unconditional, infinite, love that transcends all love in a way that humans do not ever understand love. Love, 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 that's, a, that's what it is. The Beatles said it, all you need is love. You don't need it, it's all there is. Everything is love. It sounds like a Hallmark card, sounds like a platitude until it's realized to be the fundamental truth of everything. Okay, that faith, so what doubt am I talking about? What doubt is Zen talking about? What doubt? is the Roshi, the Zen master in this book talking about. He's talking about the doubt that arises when you sit here and go, but I don't experience it like this. I feel like I'm separate. Why? How can this be? This massive mass of doubt, like I, this can't be right. It's the world that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth that you are a slave. This can't be right. Neo felt it in the matrix. He said, I, I, there's a, Morpheus pointed to it, there's a splinter in your mind that something's wrong with the world. That's the doubt that we're talking about. Why is there so much suffering? What is the meaning of life and death? Why do terrible things happen to good people? What's going on you know, in the news? What, what, what does all this mean? Doubt, 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 why, what, what, what? How can it be? How is it that I'm suffering? So it is that faith, that knowing on the most instinctual level, and a child has this, that reality is one way, and then seeing the experience of reality as a mind-identified human, 
and then that just the doubt springs from every pore, from every part of your being. It can't. This can't be right. Something is wrong. I'm not seeing something clearly that needs to be seen. There must be more. There must be more to life. There must be some way to be happy. And so we go and seek and we do all these things, doubt, 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 doubt. As Dan says, money, it's all about money. That's one answer, money. Money is a proxy for this. And Jen says, why do good things happen to terrible people? Doubt, why, what is this, right? All right, so faith, overwhelming doubt mass, just one big living mass of doubt, can't sit still, restless. So what does that lead to? The third thing, the third pillar, determination, fierce determination to wake the fuck up, to realize the truth in this moment and all moments, which are no moments, always and eternally here in front of your face. It is your face. It is your original face before you were born. The truth is your original face before the big bang. So the determination to do whatever it takes to wake up, whether it's sitting in Zen meditation, whether it's going to church and praying, whether it's doing yoga, whether it's practicing your breathing in Vipassana, whether it's, you know, whatever spiritual practice you have, that fierce determination, like basically like a lion jumping on prey, like that energetic purity of action is what springs from the faith and the doubt. You get the determination, then the practice, and ultimately liberation from suffering in this lifetime. It's your birthright. So that's what I was reading right before I did the slide. <laughs> and so I'm talking about it because I feel it. The faith, I have notes in Apple Notes from retreats in the past where this knowing of reality as impermanent, empty of substance and yet full of indescribability, the sense of complete non-separation from anything was so powerful that I wrote in the note, this is real, there is no doubt, even when there's doubt, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. That's what I wrote. Because I knew that the mind will come back and try to pull you back into separation. And it does. So that knowing, that faith is there for me because it's a knowing. It's not, no one can tell you this. I am a skeptic. I've spent most of my life as an atheist. You can't tell me there's a God. I have to know it. You can't tell me everything is one. I have to realize it for myself. Otherwise, I will not believe you. I'll believe what my eyes see and the stories that my mind tells. That's what I'll believe. Or whatever the scientific textbook's aspect on reality is, that's what I'll believe. But now there's that faith of knowing. Okay, so then what? Doubt every day. Why? Why isn't it like I know it is for me right now? Oh, sometimes it is. 
okay, even stronger faith. And then even stronger doubt when the mind comes back and co-ops the whole thing. And so what does that do? It leads to that determination. The way he describes doubt is so beautiful. He says, this is the kind of doubt we're talking about. It's a great book, you guys. Highly recommend if you're into this. If you're not, you won't get it, you won't like it. Um, and that's fine too, that's totally fine. Um, he says, great doubt is the kind of doubt that a baby feels when its mother leaves the room, where's mom, where's mother, where did she go, where? And their whole being goes into crying for their mother. Their whole being is reaching out for their mother. Where is she? I know she exists. I know I need her. She's the beloved. Where is she? Where is she? Why is she not here? It's that kind of doubt where all that baby's life force goes into crying for its mother. That is the kind of doubt that is there for why isn't, why am I not seeing reality as it is? Why am I seeing this matrix? Why am I suffering? Why are others suffering? Why am I creating suffering for others? And then comes the determination. I will do whatever it takes to wake up, including a figurative death, the death of self, letting go everything I thought was stable, important, all of it, letting it go. That doesn't mean you go off and become a monk. It means mentally it's gone. It doesn't exist. What are you now? Are you a story still? What's left when all your stories die? What's left? Yeah, this is not easy. Like people think this is like fun cakewalk. Like sometimes you'll see me talk and I'll be love and light because I'm feeling that. I'm realizing that, feeling that oneness. And times like this when I read about doubt and I feel it and I read about determination and I feel it and I already know about faith. Well, man, it'll light you up in a way that's fierce. All right, it is no prisoners, like ruthless. You have to die for this to happen, for liberation to occur. The self that thought it was in control, that thought it was real, that thought it had a future and a past, it is a non-entity. It never existed. It's an illusion, a dream, a phantom, a vapor. And yet when it thinks through a trick of reflection, that it's in charge and it's real, that's the difference. That subtle reflection is the difference between hell and heaven in experience. Ashley, who is on this journey says, it's definitely not easy now. Yeah, you will feel all the things. Um, and yet, so I will ask this question back. Would you rather live in bondage and suffering? And people will say, well, life isn't all that bad. Yeah, now it isn't. Because of impermanence, everything can be taken away. Because of impermanence and the, and do, and the world of duality of opposites, all good will be ultimately all bad. 
That's, that's how that game goes. You can't win that game. Enjoy it while it's good and be ready. So what's the, what is Jesus's peace that passeth all understanding is being beyond the dualities. That's the kingdom of heaven that's pointed to, beyond the dualities, which the, the mind can't touch. Identity can't touch that. Identity has to have dualities. It has to be separate. That's the nature of identity. How much of our suffering is due to us holding identities? I'm an American, I'm a Russian, I'm a Ukrainian, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, I'm a Republican. Story, 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 separation, story, belief, ideology, wonderful. All great in the relative world, doesn't exist. A dream. Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode, it's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also wanna hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at zdogmd.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me and we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you wanna be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we gonna transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. Ruby says, that was a gift that came with losing everything and, and let me make this bigger so I can read the rest of your comment. Uh, and every one between 2015 and 2020. On the other side, I found myself, I found bliss. Life is 100% better for it. There you go. And for some people, it is tragedy. It is loss. It is trauma that breaks it open. Doesn't have to be. But in many ways, those are a grace. That's the meaning of those experiences, if there is any meaning, and there isn't. The meaning is that it exists. The meaning is that it here it is. That's all the meaning that's required. Why am I feeling this emotion? Because you are. Because it's here. That's it. Doesn't need stories. Certainly doesn't need thoughts. Thoughts don't point to anything but more thoughts, more story, more dream. Thoughts are the dream. Catherine says, there are things in this world we do not understand and faith and belief, I think, are important things. Um, faith for sure. Belief, not so much, in my opinion. That's my two cents. Belief is um, believing something that you've been told. Like what I'm telling you now, if you just go and believe it, it's more nonsense. It's more story. It's more thought. Faith is, oh, I've no, I know that. There's no, uh, I think that's true. There's, that's true. 
So why don't I see it now? That's the doubt component. Um, Todd Glazier says, thoughts are reality. Um, I might say it this way. Thoughts are our perceived reality from the standpoint of the separate self. They create our entire world. All of this world is thought-based construction, all of it. Consensus reality, well, I mean, look, look at how this works. You're born as a baby, baby doesn't know shit. So what do we do? We have an education system, we have family, we have ancestors, we have people to teach us. What are they teaching us? Consensus reality, how to think, how our reflective consciousness, AKA thought, our sixth sense, the ability to conjure something out of nothing, <laughs> um, how it should structure the sea of sensory input that's happening, turn it into a world, into Zubin, camera, Facebook, that's consensus reality. So thoughts create that reality. So what happens when you realize that's all a construction, all a dream, and what's actually real underneath it? What is that appearing on? What is the screen that this movie is projected on that's always there, that doesn't get born and doesn't die? You could actually call it the unborn because it wasn't born and it doesn't die. And yet it is more you than any of this. In fact, it is you in the truest sense. It is all yous, all of I is that. You can call it consciousness. You can call it God. You can call it stillness. You can call it emptiness. Doesn't matter what you call it. It won't touch it. It doesn't care. It's beyond all those conceptions. And it's what you are, it's your birthright, it's you. Don't believe me, that's belief. Sit in stillness. As they say in the Bible, be still and know, that's it. What does stillness mean? It means don't make thoughts about your thoughts. Thoughts are gonna arise, sit with them. Don't go down the rabbit hole of pushing and pulling on thoughts with more thoughts. So when the, when the lake of consciousness has got a few waves on it, we like to throw more rocks in and make the waves vibrate even more. If we just watch the waves, they start to calm down. Then you see infinitely into the depths of pure consciousness, awakeness without disruption of thought, without self-referential thought. What are you then? I can't tell you that, but you can know that. Jen says, thoughts are thoughts. Everything just wants to be what it is. Exactly. So you recognize it as a thought. You know, there's a thought. That's what it is. And so there's a little bit of discernment in your practice. So that determination aspect of faith, doubt, determination. There's the discernment of, oh, that's a thought. Okay, let it be. Recognize it for what it is. What happens is we live in the world of thought in our minds and we don't realize it's thought. And that's where we live in the matrix. That's where we create the delusion, the dream. And we do it together. So that's why silent retreat is so helpful. Because on silent retreat, you remove the complicit social interaction that generates the world, that generates consensus reality. You remove it. You actually don't fully remove it because there's energetic connection with other humans at retreat and there's lectures and different things. So you're listening, but it's very different than talking with others and generating bullshit world. Uh, I'll be totally honest with you. 
this is just how I feel right now, and it may change tomorrow, but this is how Zubin feels right now. Human beings are, it's pointless to talk with them usually. <laughs> if, if you're trying to get into any truth, including me, listening to me, like I don't really know there's a point. Everything you need is right inside, it's here. There's no inside and outside, it's here. When you talk to other humans, you are making an assumption that I'm gonna enter dream world and talk about nothing, because it means nothing. Most of our conversations are superficial bullshit. They're useless. Conversations at work are generally useless. So you go on retreat and you realize how useless all that talk was. You may energetically crave it because there's an addictive component to thought because we're so conditioned to be around it. But when it does relax and there's stillness, you realize I could be like this forever and it would be better. <laughs> That's your true nature saying, oh, here I am. I've been hiding for a while under all this noise. The noise calmed down. Uh, I remember coming back from one retreat and just being like, mm -mm, don't like this, don't like this. A lot of doubt, a lot of like, how can this be how we live? Um, and then within a couple of weeks, settling right back into the delusion comfortably, but not really. Still the doubt, still the discomfort. You know, those, those the blind who once could see the bell tolls for thee, said Rush. Um, once you experience your true nature directly, I mean, you're always your true nature, that's the paradox. Once you do it knowingly, there's always gonna be doubt from then on out that this is not real, this is not reality. And so it's a little tough. It makes it a little hard. You go through a dark night of the soul. You go through a lot of shadow work. You have to. It doesn't come for free. It's a lot of, it's a lot of the hero's journey, going through the dark spots, fighting the dragons, your own dragons, and coming out the other side, hopefully. <laughs> Maria. Says, yeah, it's so relaxing, but unfortunately things get in the way. Yeah. It's even, you know, relaxing is one way to talk about it, but it's really like the mind relaxes, but then what's underneath is just like this taut, awake, alert flow state of your true nature coming into being constantly from nothing. The bliss, the ecstasy of life showing up from nowhere, radiating. Only now, like not in space, not in time, how does the mind process that? It cannot, but you can experience it as that and you realize oh, there's only always just been this. Wow. The whole story was just a dream happening now. Mm. That's freedom. It's also very disorienting. Um, Barbara Wheeler, I'm chilling with my dragons. Hell yeah. There's no right and wrong, man. You do you, that's perfect. <laughs> I chill with my dragons too. Um, Ryan Denton says, what the human vehicle creates for this time is really amazing. Yeah, actually, in the book, because he's coming from a Buddhist uh, lineage, he talks about you know, being incarnated as a human is actually a, and you don't have to believe anything about reincarnation or not. Like that's something that I have, I know nothing about because I can't experience it. So I can't believe it. Um, 
I can't have faith in that because it's not something I've experienced. So, but in those traditions, they talk about, you know, subsequent lives and so on in consciousness. And um, he says, being incarnated as a human is such a rare gift. And the reason it's a gift, it's rare we know because, you know, there's a lot more other organisms and inanimate objects that could be, you know, made that humans are uh, kind of rare and evolutionarily they've only ex existed for you know however many long time is an illusion but you know what I'm pointing at so being in incarnated as a human is rare and it's a gift because now you can actually self reflect and know your true nature knowingly you can be consciousness knowing itself knowingly and yet we don't the vast majority of humans squander their lives chasing after illusion. And it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it. No right and wrong, because there's no separate beings really. This is a dream. But if you're in the dream and you think you're real, it doesn't feel like a dream, it feels like a nightmare. So how does that dream character wake up? Well, it doesn't, but how does it seemingly wake up? It sees that it's in a dream. It sees there was no separate self at all and as a human incarnation, it can reflect on that and knowingly experience reality in a human form, which is bliss. It's really something. So yeah, the human vehicle is amazing. Um, Margie Lincoln says, I identify as a human being. Awesome. <laughs> I do too. I also uh, have a... Uh, have a deeper identity that's um, the, that which is looking through this human being's eyes and perceiving, what is that? Because where are you? Look for yourself, look for the you that's looking. <laughs> that's, a, that's a practice called inquiry, self-inquiry, um, very powerful practice. Um, Kim, who's a supporter says, the death of our daughter has profoundly challenged our faith currently in the twilight of the dark night of the soul. Mm. Mm. I'm so sorry. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no words you can say there but there is the knowing of that suffering. And there's the seeing from here that the way you express is that, that that loss has the meaning there that is showing you what it is in each moment. It's unfolding. So... Catherine says, don't you find the search for enlightenment or being being one with the world is different for everyone? Your peace could be someone else's nightmare. Um, it's a great question. Everybody wakes up differently. Everybody experiences their true nature through their body-mind form, through their conditioning to some degree until they don't. So there is a 
there's a knowing beyond the body-mind's conditioning that is in many ways, in every way, universal. That doesn't mean you'll experience it when you come back into the body-mind and say, ah, oh, this is how it was experienced. That's a story that we tell and each body-mind will tell it differently. Some will say with a little fear, they'll say, oh, that was scary. I don't know if I wanna go back there. Some will say, oh, that was bliss. Um, but that's, that's often just the conditioning of the body-mind, which is what you're pointing at, is everybody's different. Um, and everybody kind of responds to awakening differently too. Uh, it, it's there's no one size fits all, which is the beauty. It's almost like consciousness wants to be everything, every confirmation possible. It shows up in every possible way. So for some people, this is actually not desirable. They don't want it, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm talking to those body minds that do, or the people who don't want it. They'll confirm they don't want it. They'll be like, I don't want anything to do with what he's saying, which is great. They'll go on living in the dream happily, which is perfect. That's what, that's as good as anything because it's exactly what's happening. That's perfect. Nobody needs to do this unless they need to do this. Um, Gabrielle says, it's an encounter with God. And so many body minds, organisms, humans, when they have this experience, they have talked to or encountered directly God. That's how they, that's how they interpret it. Yeah. And undoubtedly, sages and mystics throughout time, that's how they've, that's how they've, uh, how they've encountered it. Undoubtedly. Let's see here. Yeah, and don't do it unless you feel that pull, Ashley, exactly. Todd says, experience is subjective. <clears throat> reality, our base reality is pure subjectivity. It's pure knowingness. So reality is subjective in that sense. It's a pure subjectivity without an object. Very hard to talk about. Um, Ruby Laguna, only your key fits your lock. Mr. Rogers was hip to that from way back in the day. Mr. Rogers was like a Sith Lord guru master, man. No doubt. June, uh, you already are. Kim, it's interesting that cultures across time and geography have a belief system, theism. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> the perennial wisdom is what I'm pointing at, that, that this is reality. And then different, different sages and mystics throughout time have arisen in different cultures and I've said this. And initially, most people don't understand what they're pointing at because the human mind can't, and it gets turned into a big religion that then gets all kinds of doctrines and rules and power structures and then becomes very distant from the original teaching in most cases. And then in some cases, there are aspects of it that stay 
And so it happens in pretty much every human culture. It's like a natural human tendency to re, religion means to link back, to relink back to truth, really. So they're all trying to do that. Um, Anna says, you have to get yourself a sick looking guru outfit robe just for fun. Yeah, right? <clears throat> My wife was saying that uh, that um, I'd make a really scary cult leader guru because people seem to naturally be drawn to me, the ones that would become part of the cult. And uh, and for a while we were joking that my supporter group was like, we had a t-shirt that said, supporter tribe, it's totally not a cult. <laughs> because it is, you know, bald head, too much eye contact with the camera. I mean, that's a cult until proven otherwise. <laughs> the only thing, I, the only problem is I don't wanna do that. <laughs> like, if I did, I'd be really dangerous, I think, because I'd actually be good at it. I think I could do it well. I could manipulate people because I'm reasonable. Eh, the older I get, the less smart I feel. But I used to be reasonably intelligent. And so I could manipulate people. I understand emotion. I understand kind of personality structures. Um, I'm a reasonable communicator and I've had just enough insight that I could sell a bill of goods that would get you to believe, pay me a bunch of money, move wherever and be part of you know a terrible, uh, delusional, egoic shit show. So at some point, maybe I'll give it a spin just for fun and see who falls for it, but just don't, just don't want to, <laughs> doesn't feel right. Not interested. Um, Carrie says, cult, I love it. Yeah, and Carrie's in the supporter tribe. So you're already as, as close to my cult as you can get. Um, that's a good That's a good quote, Melanie. Anne says, uh, Buddhists are buying up um, PEI Canada, another religious island unto itself. Really? Man, I listen, man. I, Buddhism is another thing. It's like, you could say, oh, okay, well, so what is the truest religion? Well, there isn't one. Um, they're all, and you can disagree with me if you're whatever, devout, whatever, that's fine. That's all, you can believe what you want. Um, but like people in the spiritual circles will often be like, well, Buddhism or Vedantic Hinduism or whatever. And it's like, well, no, not really. Because they still ultimately talk about compassion and self doing this and you know bodhisattva vow to uh, liberate all beings and there are no all beings there is no you to liberate anyone how does awakeness wake up how is that a thing there are no yous there's no separation that's the only teaching that makes any sense from the standpoint of reality all the rest is massaging the dream which is fine, That's religion is good at that, that's fine. But the truth is, you don't exist the way you think you are. You are not a separate human with agency. You aren't, you think you are, that's the, that's the dream. So once that's seen through, what's left? Reality, being itself, perfectly, unconditionally, pure love, showing up as anger, irritation, Someone cuts you off in traffic, you flip them the bird. That's perfection. You don't own it. You didn't do it. But yet, it's not like you're out there murdering people because why? <laughs> what? Why? Why would you? 
Seems like compassion just arises naturally. People try to copy awakened, liberated beings throughout history, thinking if I act compassionately, if I let go of desire, if I renounce all my property, if I do those things, I'll be like them because they're clearly a different type of being because you can feel it energetically. That's a fallacy. That's copying the effects, thinking they're causative. The effects of waking the fuck up, liberating yourself from the idea that you exist as a separate self are all those things often. They are this way of being in the world. So what do people do? They go, oh, that, uh, oh so that person's like that. So I'm gonna be like that and then I'll wake up too. Nope, there's still an I there. There's still an I trying to wake up, trying to do things. That I has to die. It has to go completely, not even partially. There has to be nothing left. Your whole world ends. Hmm? That, what I just said, that is not a religion that sells. That is not a cult that people will join unless they're crazy. This is not wantable by the human mind. And yet, on the other side of it, it's seen quite clearly there's no, there's no other truth. This is it. It's perfect. And when it's not seen, there's so much doubt that this is wrong, that it's crippling, that you can't function. So if you want to sign up for that, hmm, that is not a line out the door of people wanting to do that. Hmm. That's why the real sages, the real gurus, the ones who are really liberated, hardly anyone listens to them. They just call them crazy. They go to fucking... Rupert Spira selling everything is consciousness. And, and he's great, he's wonderful. But like, you know, <laughs> it's just really funny. The whole thing is really funny. It's really funny. God, I'd make a shitty cult leader because unfortunately I, I, I just can't, it's very, it's impossible to make it's impossible to lie about the experience of reality. It feels like a crime against reality. Can't really be done well. But I think people delude themselves easily. I know I'm prone to self-delusion. I've believed all kinds of crazy shit over the years. You know, as insight starts to open up, I'm like, oh, well, maybe this, maybe it's this, maybe, maybe everything is consciousness interacting with itself and it's all conscious agents. That's a story. The fuck is consciousness? It doesn't exist. There's just this. Now, you're just switching one identity for another. I'm not this, I'm consciousness. Okay. So what happens when there's no consciousness or where is consciousness arising from? Or all these questions the mind will ask and then it'll start short circuit itself. And in the end, it doesn't, none of that matters because reality is so simple. It's right here, it's immediate, it's intimate. It's one, not two. It's just this. There's no consciousness and not consciousness. There's no, there's none of that. There's just what is perfectly radiating. You can feel it when you're still. It's always and already the case. It's always and already here. You don't go on a journey here. It's a journey from here to here. 
June says, do you feel like you've died now? I know it took Suzanne um, a long time, Suzanne non-duality, Suzanne Chang. Uh, no, I feel like I'm dying. Like there's, it's a slow falling away. Like pieces that I held very close as identity are crumbling away bit by bit. Like YouTube guy, who fucking cares? I don't care. <laughs> if I never make another video, so what? Healthcare doctor guy. Nope, I'm not seeing patients anymore. I'm done with that. Don't wanna do it. Wanna sit here and die for a bit. And then what comes out the other side, we'll see what it does. Don't care. Don't care that I'm telling you this. Doesn't matter. You're not real and I'm not real. But that doesn't mean I wanna hurt the apparent you or I wanna injure myself, not at all. I just want reality. I know I experience it. And then there's the doubt of this, this is not it. When I'm mind identified and then a little piece dies. Oh, there's a little surrender in every moment. So it's this kind of gentle, slow process for me, punctuated by a fair bit of misery occasionally It'll just be laying in bed, like curled up in a fetal position going, oh my God, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. It's great <laughs> because the faith part says, that's what you have to go through. That's okay. Yeah, Suzanne went through all this over a course of almost two years. We talk regularly. She still goes through it but it's much less, it's much lighter, it's much emptier. Um, it's really beautiful, actually. It's the most beautiful expression of being a human, actually, is this process, in my opinion. Because it's letting go of all your cherished identities, all your cherished beliefs. It's letting go of you. You don't do it willingly, so who does it? It's a good question. It's a good koan. It's a good mystery to solve that can't be solved. But the act of trying to solve it can blow you open. June says, thank you for being honest, but it makes me feel I don't want it after listening to her. But well, when you listen to Suzanne express, she's always expressing how she's feeling at that moment. If you heard me express how I feel when I'm writhing around in bed, you know, in the process of a piece of me dying, that's how it feels energetically. It's energetic. You feel it in the body. You feel it in thought, but you feel it really in the body. Um, if you heard me express like that, which Suzanne does, you would not want any of this because your mind, your ego would throw you this song and dance and say, that looks terrible. This person's crazy. They're either mentally ill or deranged or they've suffered so much they just can't take it and look what's happening to them. And you don't need that. You're better than that. You have a family and a career and this and that. Don't have any of it. That's the story that your mind will tell you. So, And that's a fine story. So you can believe the story, but if the deepest yearning of your heart is for reality, don't believe it. Keep going because Suzanne herself will tell you there's nothing better than this. 
as hard as it's been. She wouldn't want it any other way. It's liberation from suffering in this lifetime. And you got to put in some sweat equity. You got to suffer. You got to feel all the things. Pretty soon you start feeling all the things, but it doesn't generate suffering anymore. It's light. There's no other way to describe it. Um, Mike says, uh, it's been like that for me since late 2018. It took two years to rip a ton of stuff away in order for things to slowly fall off. I do feel lighter as time slowly passes or the illusion of time passing. Yeah, that's it, Mike. It's like, it's like nothing really happened, right? Because nothing's happening. And yet, if you could molecule for molecule it, compare your experience now to how it was five years ago, uh, which can't be done, of course, because there was no five years ago. There was no prior mic. There's just this. But if you could do that, theoretically, mm, there'd be a vast difference there. But it feels like almost nothing. Carrie says you have to ignore the committee people in your mind talking. Yeah, well, you got to hear them out. Uh, notice that those are thoughts. I have the inner committee for sure because I'm like an Enneagram 6 uh, fear-driven kind of safety-oriented personality type. So I uh, have an inner committee that's always conferring on every decision. And now I've noticed it and I'm like, oh, there they are. <laughs> just a bunch of thoughts. Um, so yeah, you just kind of just kind of see them and be like, there you are. Um, everything is existing now, different from happening now. Hmm, Melanie. Let's, let's do this, um, Melanie and all who want to do this. Let's put all our attention right here, right now. Nothing exists except for this. Does this exist? What is this? This right now, sensory gates, seeing, hearing, feeling in the body, thoughts arising, hearing sounds. If there's no time, time is a thought, is, an, is a process, a processing of the mind, a reflection. And time requires the existence of a separate self to experience it. Time is happening to you. Okay, there's no you. There's only this right now. Is anything happening at all? Has anything ever happened at all? If there's no time, does anything exist in the way we think of beyond appearance? Self-knowing, self-experiencing, radiant appearance coming from nowhere, gone before it's ever here, like flickering light on a screen. Is anything happening? 
Hmm. I'll wake you up. <laughs> Ooh, Melanie, that's a, I don't know what happened, but it sounds like fun. Don't type, just be. Jen says, I feel like we're all sitting in a room together. Yeah, isn't that nice? There's no separation. There's no, se there's no separate beings. There's no room. There's just indescribability of this that we all experience right now. That's not an experience. See? It becomes impossible to open your mouth about it. And yet, here we are pointing right at it with our words. This monkey that's talking to you, flapping its mouth hole, is pointing at what has never not been the case, right in your experience, right here. On fucking Facebook. <laughs> Man, the universal comedy. It is really funny reality, really funny. And you think Zuckerberg thought about this when he started like a thing for college kids to share their pictures? <laughs> 110 people watching this shit on a Saturday night when they ought to be out getting drunk. It's crazy. <laughs> Susan says it's a gradual erasing over here. Yeah, Susan, I can see it with you. Um, it's beautiful and very emotional, very heart wrenching. I heard it said by a non-duality teacher who wrote this beautiful poem about terrible love, talking about the, the love that breaks your heart. And that's what this is. Because the human conception of love is I love you, I, separate me, love something there. And it's a possessive, grasping, holding, jealous, sad kind of love, and yet it's the love that most humans know. But this, this knowing, this understanding, means that everything is showing up perfectly, radiating in and as this terrible love that will break your heart open, will tear you open and shred you shred all your human conceptions of love, throw it to the wind, and what's left? A love beyond love. Mm. It'll light up every cell in your supposed body in that region we're calling a body and we're calling a region it'll light up with ecstasy that kind of love the love of the perfection of this that's always been <laughs> Ruby, Mr. Rogers also said, there's no such thing as more or less love. 
That's like saying more or less eternity. Brilliant. God, Mr. Rogers. The guy was a freaking sage. Perfect love, Gabriel. Yes. Yes, radiance. The love of being coming into being, nothing becoming something, apparently. The love of knowing everything is in its exact right place. And you're all of it. Yak him, when you lose someone you love, the love doesn't go away. That's right. They don't go away either. Can you feel that? There's no time and there's no space and there's no distance. So those that you've lost, where have they gone? They're always and already right here. There is no birth and no death. There's only this containing all. Ooh, man, that's a little too much even for me. Mm. <laughs> It'll just make you laugh. Mm. Man, I got to hang out with you guys more often. It's a great practice, non-practice, just being. Life is the meditation. That's the beautiful thing. When you have the faith, doubt, and determination, just life is the meditation. Marianne says, uh, wisdom from Ramdas for all of us to remember during this difficult time on Maui. Yes, thoughts out to you guys. We did a show the other day about that. It's just a terrible tragedy and another example of impermanence of everything. Bearing the unbearable is the deepest root of compassion in the world. When you bear what you think you cannot bear, when you, who you think you are dies, you become compassion. You don't have compassion. You are compassion. True compassion goes beyond empathy to being with the experience of another. You become an instrument of compassion. That's beautiful. You are love. You are compassion. That's your true nature. That's this. It's more than the human container can hold. It, it, it bursts forth outpouring this love. You can feel it just jumping from your skin. It, it, there's no other way to describe it. Susan, you just chipped off another piece. <laughs> it feels like it here, like a little piece just went, little subtle little chunk of delusion just burns in the fires of reality. Like you just go, oh shit, wait a minute. Carrie needs more drugs. 
Ashley says, so much love for everyone experiencing wildfires. Yeah, and Canada is, they're evacuating whole areas of the north. Um, they say we've entered the Pyrocene. It's a new era of fires. Yeah, who knows, hi, Anne. <laughs> Ruby, give in and get that robe, Z. This is the good stuff. Let's see, this wouldn't, this wouldn't work in a cult because it's actually correct, I think. If we're gonna run a cult, we gotta, we gotta run it on delusion. Um, all right, what time is it? Oh, snap. All right, I think we did a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and money, Todd, exactly. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, so my um, one of my supporters, Emma DK on Locals, I don't know if she's on Facebook, lovely lady from the English countryside, real estate uh, professional, came to visit me here in the Bay and was gonna buy my uh, old Macintosh computer. She'd won the auction and uh, realized she couldn't take it with her because it was too big. So um, she took a couple of my old cameras too as souvenirs and uh, gave me this. <laughs> I don't know if this is actually showing up on camera. Let me see. Um, yeah, there it is, the poo roll. It's actual poo emoji toilet paper, which I would use to wipe my ass, except I don't wanna waste it because it's too badass, you know, literally. Um, isn't that cool? It's so nice to have such lovely humans. She's a truly special person. And I hope she had a good trip back to the UK, had her uh, husband and child, and uh, just just a glorious uh, experience meeting her. Um, is this juicy, Rebecca? <laughs> um, yeah, I got to stock up, Gabrielle, for the next pandemic. I got to have all the, all the toilet paper. What do you guys think of this? Uh, let's talk shop for a second before I go, because now I, this was almost too much. This was too much. Like, I need to, like, reality's looking a little fuzzy. <laughs> I need you guys to bring me back into consensus reality. What do you guys think of um, me sitting in this spot instead of over there? Is this is this a, a a terrible look? Do you do you like it? Do you not like it? This is the guest spot. I uh, screwed around with the camera a little bit, so it's a little bit different. So, let me know in the comments what you think about this spot, um, or if you think it's bad. And what else was I going to say? Hmm. What other news is going on? Uh, oh, that's really it. Let's see. Uh, oh. Ruby says, that is the real reason why you'll never be a cult leader, always bringing everyone back to the shit. I know, actually, but the cult leaders have that kind of charisma where they, they, they you know, the jester, like Osho, um, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, he was a very funny guy. He used to always joke around and stuff, but like was it a world-class cult leader, like world-class. Um, <laughs> Susan says, you know, I always support the Bush seat. This is the bush seat. Um, production looks good, says Ryan. 
Spot yes, uh, says Marianne. I like it, says Maria. It's fresh, says Don. <laughs> Seems more intimate, says June. Is that right, June? Do you guys, oh, and the ficus tree. Yeah, this is my famous ficus. Um, like the spot, but love the poo roll, Maria. Nice, Maria. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking for a spot that feels a little more intimate. Uh, it's tricky because this camera has a different lens on it. So it's very far away. So I actually feel like from here, I'm like, oh man, I'm looking off into the distance. Whereas in the other spot, I'm looking at a camera that's like right here. So it feels overtly intimate, but I'm interested in how it feels for you. Cause it always, it, there's always an intimacy here because I can feel this, like it always feels intimate. Um, when I'm doing live um, with you guys. Karen likes it. That's good. Okay. Maybe I'll do a few shows from here from now because it is a little, uh, it's kind of a fun for me to mix it up. I get bored sitting in my same spot. Um, it's your heart that produces intimacy. Ooh, Gabrielle. Maybe you can be the cult leader. That's a good one. I like that. It's true. Um, yeah, Marianne, thank you. More intimate, Maria. Okay, all right. Hmm. I put on a shirt for you guys. When Emma came to visit, I showed her my uh, wardrobe closet in the back here, and it's like full of like all these shirts I never wear. <clears throat> and I thought, you know, I should probably wear some of these occasionally instead of just the shit T-shirts that I'm always wearing. Why not? Um. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Vicky says, nice shirt. <laughs> it's one of these penguin things. I think I got it from like Nordstrom Rack or some shit. Or Ross. I got it for less. I'm such a cheap bastard. Years of being a doctor and I'm just like, nope, not spending money. That's probably, you know, that's probably why now I'm at a point where I just don't care about any of that stuff because we just saved. We, you know, we're pretty generally frugal. Um, like I'm still driving my 2012 Camry. My wife, we bought a used MDX SUV Acura, like that already had like 80,000 miles on it back in 2012. And so she's driving this 2008 um, Acura, and I'm driving this 2012 Camry. And people are like, I thought you were some kind of like YouTube celebrity and a doctor, and you did all this stuff. I'm like, why are you driving such shit cars? And I'm like. Because I want to retire <laughs> and I don't need stuff. <laughs> the car gets me from A to B and it's a great car. Both of those cars are great. The Acura breaks down a lot. Acura's, Acura MDX is a piece of shit. If you're thinking of getting one, it's a great car, except that it will not be reliable for you. Um, I've never had a car give me so much trouble. Now I did buy it used, but I was reading online, it is generally considered unreliable, <laughs> which is strange for a Honda brand, right? But it is. Whereas my Toyota Camry has never had a problem. All I've done is done oil changes. And uh, it's only got 90,000 miles in it because I don't drive that much in you know however many years since 2012. So 11 years. Um, <laughs> stuff is useless, Gabrielle, I know. Fewer things, more experiences. Exactly, Ruby. 
Like our trip to Japan was so awesome. The trip to Alaska was so awesome. Like those were just priceless. And the thing is, there's a tendency in the mind to want to grasp at that. Like, oh, I I'm just going to keep like kind of owning this experience as a thing and, you know, sit and look at the pictures and all that. It's not like that. It's like there's something that reverberates that changes you, changes your way of seeing um, with those kind of experiences. So they're not something that you grasp and try to possess. It's more like, oh, everything is different now. Like the way we eat is different. The way I sleep is different. I sleep on a little futon now. Like all these things change and experience in daily life has changed. It's really great. Travel is beautiful. Highly recommend. Yeah, Vicky says, and Vicky's a doc, I would uh, be embarrassed to drive a super fancy car. We are a Honda family. Hell yeah. Um, Janet says, I love my Acura, 96,000 miles and no problems. Nice. Well, I used to have, when I was younger, the first car I bought as a doctor was an Acura TL, the sedan. And I bought it new. It was $30,000, which was a shit ton of money in 2004 for a brand new practicing doc out of residency. And um, I loved that car. It never gave me a problem. It was beautiful. I think I drove it to about 80,000 miles and then uh, sold it because um, I was going to Vegas and I wanted a car that I could trash around a bit. So I got that Camry. Um, Yeah, beautiful people you guys are. I love reading your comments. You guys are a wonderful crew. It makes Facebook worth keeping on to, you know? It's uh, it's the people that create it. And what I do too is I um, I set a setting when we're going when we're live that only allows followers to leave comments, and that kind of weeds out some of the trash, um, and it keeps the comments people that really kind of are here because they want to be here, which is nice. Uh, it's really beautiful, actually. I do it on YouTube, too, when I go YouTube Live. I like YouTube a lot. Um, it's, it's a good place uh, to make video. Um, all right, wonderful people. I better go. My wife's going to be done with call soon. I want to be home for that. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I don't have any asks. Yeah, maybe subscribe on YouTube. It's nice. Helps the algorithm there. If you listen to our podcast at all, like subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. It helps the podcast version of this. Um, maybe I'll put this, nah, this one won't work on a podcast. I don't think so. Um, and then if you wanna become a supporter, Facebook, you can go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters and find your favorite platform, YouTube, locals. Now Instagram, actually, we have a supporter tribe there. That's brand new. Um, that's it. That's just how I keep the lights on. <laughs> These lights. All right, guys, I love you. All right, let me figure this out. How do I end this properly without it just being weird? I think I have to end it here. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. 
it, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.